WGR. It is the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Good morning, Folks, and welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary, I got Corey Griswold back. Miss you, bud. Taking care of the kids, doing things that matter in life and not here on my Saturday mornings. It's um, so sweet of you to say. Yeah, well, I, I missed you. Anyways, uh, jam-packed schedule today, uh, as is tradition. Um, I've got Sal Capaccio is going to join me here in about three minutes. Sal is live from Highmark Stadium. Uh, today we have our uh, first in-person practice in over a calendar year. The first time that Highmark Stadium uh, will see a non-regulated amount of fans and uh, 35,000 tickets were sold slash given away. Uh, so we'll talk to Sal, get a, get an update on on what the numbers there are in the stadium. Uh, Thad Brown's going to join me right at 1130. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit. Of, he, he's been obviously at training camp all week. So we've got Two guys in the first hour that are going to help me break down what they've been seeing at training camp for the first couple of days, what we're seeing today. Um, so that'll happen in the 11 o'clock hour, 12 o'clock hour. I'll have Bruce Nolan on. Bruce and I just announced yesterday uh, a new podcast that we are doing together. So I will have Bruce to come on, and him and I will uh, will will preview a little bit of what we're going to be doing, so on and so forth. We'll talk a little training camp as well. In the 12 o'clock hour, I'm going to save some time because Corey and I, clearly, we have to get some things. We have to talk some things out because... We we couples there. There was there was a Jack Eichel agent statement yesterday, and things are great. Things, things are, going, are going great. Things are going super well, and um, I we we there's just some things that I need to talk myself through, and I know Corey does too. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that at twelve. I'm sure I'll be able to sprinkle in some of that in the eleven o'clock hour as well. Um, and then at uh, at twelve thirty, Evan Lazar, he works for the New England Sports Network. Uh, he has been at Patriots training camps. So we'll get an update on Cam Newton and the Mac Jones quarterback battle, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, get an update on how the new receivers, the new look offense looks. So we'll get all of that from Evan at twelve thirty, one o'clock. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report is going to join me. He hasn't been at Jets camp, but you don't have to be a Jets camp to uh, to, to to sort of update on the craziness that's been happening there. Obviously, Zach Wilson just signs his. Contract was the last rookie to sign his uh, rookie deal and has been in training camp now going on day two today. So we'll talk to uh, to Connor at uh, at one o'clock to sort of get the update there and talk a little bit about expectations for the Jets this year, so on and so forth. So we'll hear from Sale here in just a minute when he connects live from High Mark Stadium. Um, 
Yeah, so on top of this whole thing, so I, just quickly before Sale comes on uh, about the Jack Eichel statement. So last night, um, on Friday night, a Friday night news dump, Jack Eichel's agents, uh, his representation team, uh, basically sent out a, sa- a statement um, addressing something that has never been said. So that's, a, you know, a thing that we'll talk about today, right? Like, I, maybe, the, essentially, Jack Eichel's agents decided to make a, a formal written statement on something they believe has been implied by the Sabres but has never been said out loud to the media or to the public. So it just feels like there's a lot of airing of dirty laundry. There's a lot of internal fighting. They're fighting in front of the media, in front of the fan base, about things that aren't actually being said out loud. So there's just a lot of things, I think, that are wrong about what's happening right now. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this with Corey. I, I, I even have to pull myself back from maybe defending defending the organization and the team because they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. But at this point either, I'm not sure that Jack has totally earned the benefit of the doubt in this situation either. Um, So there's just a lot at play. And then I think maybe perfect timing, and I haven't had the opportunity to listen to it yet, Elliot Friedman finally gets an interview with Jack Eichel's doctor who wants to perform this surgery that is so controversial. And so I, I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. I'm sure that'll be just gripping um, and, and mind-numbing stuff there from Elliot Friedman. So uh, we'll get to that again in the 12 o'clock hour. But right now, I want to go to the West Her Hotline because joining me live from Highmark Stadium is our very own Sale Capaccio. Sale, first and foremost... Uh, there was a lot of talk this week about how many tickets were quote unquote sold. They were, they're free tickets. Uh, what do you think? I, you know, I'm not going to tell you to, 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 to name how many Skittles are in the jar here, but uh, what do you think? Did we get close to 25, 30,000 there at the stadium? Yeah. First of all, can you hear me? Okay. There's yeah. a lot of music in the background. I got you. Sal. Okay, good. I want to make sure it's, it's beautiful down here. It feels great to see everybody back. I'd say it's gotta be 20 to 25 here. I mean, maybe around 20, give or take, maybe a little less than that. I'm not great at guessing that stuff, but. I mean, the lower bowl is probably about half full. That's pretty solid for the first practice of the year on July 31st, Sale. Um, so quickly, Sale, before we kind of dive into some of the storylines for the week, this afternoon um, at the stadium, are, are we looking at just a standard open practice, no scrimmage, right, just a standard open practice there for today for the folks? Yeah, it's not a scrimmage. They don't even have pads on. They have their shells and their helmets, but they're not wearing shoulder pads. They're not wearing... Uh, they're wearing shorts, um, so this looks very similar to the first few days of training camp that we've been watching out with the media. Um, we still have the uh, offensive and defensive linemen with the guardian shells on their cap that you've seen. I think that's been very interesting. They still have them on, um, but it's basically the same kind of practice. And no, they're not going live tackling or hitting because they don't even have pads on to do that. So, Sale, uh, let's talk about a person that uh, might be coming to practice for the first time. Maybe they haven't been updating themselves on your your daily uh, training camp previews um, at WGR550.com. Talk, talk to me a little bit over the first couple of days, some storylines that have stood out to you. Obviously, going into training camp, I felt like we probably at nauseum talked about the running back situation, tight end, left guard, cornerback too. Has that sort of played out in real time for you? Are those the things that have sort of maintained everyone's attention, particularly in the media, through the first couple of days, or have new storylines sort of opened up? I think that the defensive line group is really interesting, and I think there's been a lot of, you know, kind of mixing and matching that we've been watching and you know, seeing where guys are lining up, who's taking reps. And obviously, you know, I can't report, you know, exactly all that kind of stuff, but I will tell you that, you know, everybody gets a shot. They really do. Um, you know, there's all there's a lot of flexibility. And we know, as you know, Nate, they've, they really kind of tried to have that flexibility going back a couple of years, but it really shows up with this group. And you look at the roster, 
there's going to be a, some really good football players that just don't have an NFL spot at the end of it. Now, granted, they could be on the practice squad, but the Bills are going to have to make some tough decisions. I think that defensive line group, how it shakes out, inside, outside, who's playing where, how they want to use that personnel is really interesting. And I think the same thing can be said for wide receiver. Now, um, today, just to note, Stephon Diggs is not practicing. I don't know if there's any issue, but it doesn't appear to be. I don't want to alarm anybody because he actually is out here on the field. He's, he's walking around. He's joking with his teammates. Didn't seem like he was working with any trainers or anything like that. So who knows? Could be just something he wanted to back off on yesterday. He did warm up, too. He warmed up. He took some reps. He's just not out here right now. Um, yesterday, the same thing happened about midway through practice, and Cole Beasley got a rest day. So yesterday, because of that, we were able to see Kate Kumro, uh, Tanner Gentry, and some other guys really get some more time. And I thought they really did a, um, a really good job. So I think the wide receiver depth and group is also very interesting. So obviously, Sal, um, the, 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 the combination of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, um, uh, Cole Beasley earlier in the week when he, uh, when he came to training camp started talking to the media about football, one of the things he was sort of talking about was his time with Emmanuel Sanders at SMU in college and how both of them really played from the slot. If you're Brian Dable, you know, how, and, and I saw some video from warm-ups today about some, uh, some stacking of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders kind of on the same side of the field. When, when you are Brian Dable and you have two guys as competent as Beasley and Sanders are in the slot, just how difficult, you know, talk a little bit about how difficult that's going to be for defenses to defend when you have two really precise, nuanced route runners who might be lining up right next to each other in, a, in the slot position with Stephon Diggs, you know, sort of next to them. Like, how difficult do you believe and how often do you believe that Brian Dable might start deploying those two together in slot looks? I really think it's all of that is going to be on a weekly basis. It's going to be a game plan basis. One thing that Brian Dable has been really good at the last couple of years, and this goes back to his Patriots days, where he kind of, I think he learned it from Bill Belichick, is, you know, yeah, we could always say you do what you do, but it really is a do what you do on a week-to-week basis based on who you're playing, the matchups, and trying to win. There might be one week where they feel that Emmanuel Sanders works better inside. There might be one week where they feel he works better outside. There may be one week where they feel that they can kind of do what you said and use them both inside in certain situations and, you know, create those matchups. That's what they want to do. But I'll go back to the same thing. That's what Leslie Frazier said about his defensive line when I asked him about it yesterday. It's the exact same thing on the other side, which is there's going to be certain matchups where guys are going to play certain spots. Might not be the same thing the next week, right? I think the same thing with running back. So I think the answer to your question is every week is going to be different. Who knows what that looks like at the end of the year? But I think they're going to basically do it based on the opponent and the tendency. So, Sale, I heard you yesterday with when you were on the afternoon show with Mike and Chris, and you were talking a little bit about Jay Kumaro, and really just in general talking about the receivers that had been stepping up since Stephon Diggs hadn't necessarily been practicing in full. And and I'm wondering a little bit about Jay Kumaro because obviously, uh, at least from the media members that have been posting for the first couple of days, it, it seems like Isaiah McKenzie continues to really just establish himself as, as a mainstay in this office, as a guy that has earned touches, earned reps with the first team, and that continues to be the case throughout training camp, but Kumaro is an interesting one because I think a lot of people going into the summer sale really kind of were penciling in Isaiah Hodgins as maybe that number six receiver, that number seven guy um, that this team might consider keeping, and he hasn't had, at least from what I've seen from notes, hasn't had the the quickest start to training camp, but Jay Kumaro, you mentioned yesterday as a guy that you really believe has a shot to make this roster. Tell me a little bit about what you've been seeing from him. Yeah, he... um... He does. I, I think that as of right now, if you were to pin me down and create a 53, I would have Jake Kumaro 
on this team. I'd also have Isaiah McKenzie on the team. But that's hard to say because now all of a sudden, I.J. Hodgins isn't on the team, right? I mean, and, you know, do we go back to last year? Is he on the practice squad? Uh, he had that injury. He was on IR last year. Um, I think Jake Kumaro is a guy they really like. They target, as we know, they had him last year. They claimed him off waivers. We all know the story after yep. what happened with Green Bay <laughs> and Eric Rodgers has been coming back. The Bills claim him. He's on the team. And then, you know, he's on the practice squad. He comes in. He has that really nice touchdown against Denver. They have to release him to create a roster spot for John Brown. And sure enough, he gets claimed by New Orleans. The Bills didn't expect that. So guess what they did? They went out and reclaimed him again when New Orleans put him back on waivers late in the season, actually, in the playoffs. That's how much the Bills really wanted Jake Kumaro. So I think Jake Kumaro is a guy that's consistent. He's got good hands. I think he's faster than people realize. He's not a speedster, but he can get open. He can get down the field. He can run all the routes. And he's also got a big body, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's taller. Um, you know, he's not he's not a super tall guy, but I think he can use his body to his advantage in a lot of different situations. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting battle to watch for the last wide receiver spot. Now, now all that said, Nate, let's wait till the pads come on yeah, to really sure. start looking at all that. You hear the uh, crowd behind me. Zach Moss just got into the end zone here, so that was nice for them to see on a little uh, little pass. So uh, everybody's kind of into it a little bit here. I always find it funny when you go to these open practices, and people always cheer when the offense makes a play. But when the defense makes a play, it's good too, you know. So I want to remind everybody. <laughs> yeah, just just remind everybody, it is okay for the defense to make some plays as well in training camp. Yeah, it's okay out here. So yeah. I, let's wait till pads come on before we really dig into that, but it's going to be interesting. Sal Capaccio joining me live here from Highmark Stadium at Bill's Open Practice on the West Her Hotline. Sal, a couple more things for you before I let you go and enjoy the rest of practice here. Um, a lot of talk about the running backs, and I know you mentioned um, in one of your reviews of the first couple of practices about Matt Breida in particular. Also, talk a little bit about, uh, at least from what I'm seeing today, Matt Breida popping up in a lot of special teams drills. Is that an area you believe that Matt Breida might, be making, might find his way onto the roster is by being a special teams asset? It could be. I do not think they'll keep him just for special teams. I think if they keep Matt Rita and have him on special teams, it's because they want to be able to have that flexibility with their third running back that they really didn't have last year with T.J. Yeldon, remember, right? Um, now they have Taiwan Jones, but I think he adds what I think maybe they wanted a little bit more out of it. I like T.J. Yeldon a lot, but you know he wasn't a guy that you relied on necessarily special teams. He could play it, but if Matt Rita can do that, that's just an added bit of flexibility for him to be able to make the roster because I do think he's going to factor in on how this team wants to go. And again, this is going to be probably a week-to-week, game-to-game basis on the running backs. Could be Matt Breida. I could, I mean, sure, could be Devin Singletary. Could be Zach Moss. And I think Matt Breida is a guy that they probably put in a special situation for matchup, um, you know, from a week-to-week. Maybe you get a group, like a slower linebacker group you're playing against, and you think you could take advantage of his speed and his quickness to get to the outside or something like that. But, oh, by the way, he can also play special teams then, and you can use that roster flexibility. Sale, um, describe to me in as little words as possible how much different Harrison Phillips looks this year physically. Yeah, I think he looks leaner. I think that goes towards everyone uh, on the defensive line. It's kind of funny. Mario Addison looks like a different person. When he showed up to OTAs, I thought, I'm like, wow, that's Mario Addison. Like he, he's, he's gotten leaner. He's slimmed down. I just, I'm really intrigued by this defensive line. Harrison, you know, he had to work a long way to come back from that recovery from that knee injury. And I thought last year he was maybe the Bills' the best defensive tackle a few weeks towards the end of the year. And 
you know, now it's all about, as Sean McDermott said, that's all behind him. That's all behind him. He's got to just play football. I think he could be a big factor, especially because, you know, now it's Star back, and you hope Star can return to form and is what he is. But if Star Latoule isn't for some reason that exact player he was, you're going to need a guy like Harrison and Justin Zimmer to be really, you know, big for you and step up. All right, Sal, last thing for you uh, on the quarterbacks today. Um, talk a little bit about what you've – and I, I was listening to you yesterday, but I, I'm sort of interested as today progresses and as this as this you know training camp progresses towards the first preseason game, how much of an opportunity do you think we're going to see Mitchell Trubisky have in the preseason this year uh, with, with the idea that, listen, I, I, this offense is in a really good position, a lot of returning players, a returning offensive coordinator and system. How much time does Josh Allen and these starters really going to need during the preseason, and how much does that ultimately mean you think we're going to see of Mitchell Trubisky moving forward? I asked this question to Sean McDermott essentially a couple of days ago, which is, how do you handle three preseason games? You've seen what it looks like with zero last year. You've already you've been in the league through four preseason games. What do you do? And Sean's response was interesting because what he said was basically that it's not only the three preseason games. Oh, really nice, really nice throwing catch right there to our guy Kumaro we were just talking about, Nate. Um, Josh Allen just fit it in to Nate, uh, to, to, to Jake Kumaro just over like a – I mean, he put it in the only spot he could get it just over Levi Wallace. So you heard the crowd behind me. That's what I'm talking about. Like, Jake Kumar runs a good route, and Josh Allen puts it, fits it right into a spot uh, that only he can get. It was really good coverage by Levi, but Jake Kumar was able to get it. So that's why you heard that right there. Um, I, it's not, it's, they're structuring things out here, even knowing, like, three preseason games, how do we structure practices to make sure we get the most out of everybody? And let's remember, returning group, veteran group, like, how much does that do they need? This isn't a group that has to get acclimated to each other. I don't know the answer to the question, but it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a lot of the starters in preseason. So, Sale, I know we didn't really get to see the the amount of training camp last year with with COVID and everything. Try to put into words the player Josh, the 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 guy that you see, Josh Allen. And maybe this is a leadership thing. Maybe this is just a comfortability on the field and and making these throws that you're talking about. But try to rewind yourself to 2019's training camp and think about what you knew and what you thought you were seeing from Josh Allen then, and compare it to what you've seen through the first couple of practices this year in 2021. Extreme confidence. You remember on social media when there was this really big thing? You were involved, I think, with the term arm arrogance. Uh -huh. Remember that? Uh -huh. right? Started, right? Okay. And, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. So I, I'm not going to say that, but he is super confident in his arm. And it's not just his arm. What I think the difference is, Nate, is Josh has always been a guy not afraid to throw the ball. He knows he not only can make every throw on the field physically, he can complete every throw on the field. I think that's the difference. All right, Sal, appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of practice, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch things up, and we'll look forward to your story up at WGR, uh, WGR550.com later on today. All right, thanks, man. All right, Sal Capaccio there on the Western Hotline live from High Mark Stadium. So uh, I will have Thad Brown coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. I'm going to make sure I get to break on time uh, so that we – I know, I know. We're going to make sure we get to break on time so that we are able – um, to get a full segment in with uh, Thad before the team goes off of practice to do some um, to do some post practice interviews. Um, so great stuff there from Sale, and uh, and obviously with training camp right now, a lot of I think interesting storylines to talk about in terms of a 
I think Jay Kumro is turning into a story, and it's not because Aaron Rodgers said that he's mad at Brian Gutekunst for cutting him two years ago. I think it's legitimately, and, and you heard it from there from Sale, this is a guy that has a legitimate chance to make this football team. Um, and I think it would be really interesting to me if this team ultimately decided that as much as we love Isaiah Hodgins, that Kumaro is going to get the nod over Hodgins, a guy that we drafted. So I, I think I'm really interested to see how that whole thing plays out um, over the next couple of weeks here. And I'm interested to see what Kumaro does, as Sal pointed out, when, when the pads come on. And I'm wondering if that's maybe where we see Isaiah Hodgins take the step that I think a lot of people expected him to take this offseason and, and sort of what the reason why he was maybe the most popular guy penciled in as that last receiver on the roster. Maybe, maybe it's the the transition from going from, you know, just shells to getting the pads on, hitting, maybe not live, but but getting game action in, in the preseason. And maybe those are the areas we're going to see Isaiah Hodgins take that step forward. But right now, I think the story is and has continued to be since day one, Jay Kumaro in this offense and, and, and his really ability to continue demanding um, a position in the um, on the roster. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Jay Kumro with Thad Brown as well. Again, who's going to join me here in about ten minutes? I did want to just rewind a little bit because this is going to kind of be the show today. I'm going to try to fit in as much talk about this Jack Eichel situation, the Sabers, as I can throughout kind of navigating some of the football storylines we're talking about today. Obviously, training camp live at Highmark Stadium. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you want to. Unfortunately, I don't have the ability to take phone calls on the call or on on the show today. But you know, shoot me e uh, emails. Shoot, why don't you shoot me a, something quick on my pager, if you would. Maybe give ah! me a quick update on the pager. Uh, maybe leave a message for me on uh, on a payphone. I worked here when we had a fax number, and we would give it Oh, yes. Uh, you know, there may still be a fax machine in the engineering room. Let's try it. Well, why don't we try I'm going to go around to see if I can find a fax number during the in the break. Or if you uh, want to just send me sequences of zeros and ones, uh, we can try to figure it out that way as well. I would get a pager for the studio. <laughs> And have a pager number if people wanted if us. If people want it, if people really want it, you know, we we are men of the people. Yeah, we'll go so. old school with this. I'm totally fine with it. Get a teletype machine. Let's yes, go. Yes, let's go. Um, so I've got roughly three minutes here to just kind of re-digest and re-hash some of my feelings about this Jack Eichel situation. Um, and Corey and I, like I said, Corey and I talked about this for like 15 minutes before we got on air. Um, I'm of the opinion, and Corey, you can kind of chime in here as well uh, if you've got thoughts on on sort of where I'm going with this. But I've often, and I said this to you, and and I think this goes beyond just me projecting on other people because I want to admit that this is also a shortcoming of mine. Okay, which is giving the team the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure, and, and almost taking the side of the team rather than the player. Okay, the 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 billion dollar well. Hundred of millions of dollars team, right? Uh, not billion dollar team. Let's be real. No NHL team's worth a billion dollars. Ain't spending like um, it right now. They, and and maybe that's maybe that's a good place to just kind of quickly say here, like this is a hockey team right now that has gutted its hockey department. Now, give credit where that where it's due. Going to get. You know, Karamanos and some of the other people that they've brought in to really beef up the analytics department, to beef up people that can help Kevin Adams succeed in roster building this thing. I think 
I think it's been said to me on Twitter when I was maybe overly negative that this is the first time in a very long time that this team understands who they are and where they stand in the hierarchy of the NHL. However, and and I want to push back on the idea that this team really wants to give big minutes to Casey Middlestad, Anders Bjork, and Tage Thompson, and, and, and Erasmus Asplund, and all these young players. I'm sorry, Dylan Cousins. I should mention Dylan Cousins in this because he's the patriarch yeah, of this whole you, thing. He's the good one. What good is it? to give Casey Middlestat top center minutes? What good is it to give Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson all of this extended look, this time, time on ice, ability to grow in a system without the pressure of having a veteran pushing you out of the lineup if they're not surrounded by people that are NHL talent? Like, are you really going to know what you have in Casey Middlestat if he's passing the <clears> puck <throat> to Tage Thompson who can't finish? Is Are you really going to know what you have in Dylan Cousins if his line mates are Anders Bjork and Jeff Skinner? Which maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that'll actually be a good line. I, I mean, don't know. It'll probably tell you more about Skinner. My question here ultimately becomes... This is a team that is going to struggle to get to the cap floor. They're not spending. They don't want to be competitive. So why am I defending them? Like, why why am I saying, Jack right. Eichel, you're a jerk? Because I think a little bit of it is true. I think Jack Eichel has been a jerk. I think he comes off as a little bit of an asshole. I just think he does. He doesn't come off good. And whether or not, you know, whether or not we want to look at Jack and say, we hate you, we hate you, I don't think, like, at the end of the day, I, I'm not sure that Jack comes off good. I'm not sure that the team comes off good. And we sit in this place where all of us want an answer. And I think we're all just sitting at this point where I don't care. I don't care what happens. Nobody cares really at this point what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to 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 be able to say that Jack Eichel is bef- behaving in the way he's behaving or the Sabres are. You have to care about them. So, and like, <laughs> I mean, like, sorry, like, God, that boat has sailed. I don't care about Jack Eichel. I don't. Because they've never won once. I've never gotten a vibe out of Jack Eichel. Like, it was exciting to watch him play or to be around. Like, even asking, it's like, hey, well, give me, tell me about Jack Eichel. What are we talking about here? And people are like, hey, remember that game where he scored a goal against Tampa Bay and then they gave up four and five minutes and ended up losing? And it's like, oh, wow, that sounds like everything was a blast with him here. Like it's gonna be, Eichel's gonna leave. Yeah, and it's Eichel. Gonna, by the way, Eichel's gone. Eichel's gonna leave, and it's just gonna be a blank space of emotions and feelings about this team. We were so used to loving every single player who came through here, right? Like yeah. no matter who played for the Sabers, you had a feeling about them. So ha- being in a place now with the Sabers where you don't have any feelings at all about any of them is a very weird spot. It's to a be. Sp- it's a spot that I had almost warned. I don't want to be the guy that's like, I warned you. But I said that there was going to come a point where the fan base became ironic and became almost totally checked out that it stopped mattering. And that's where they are. I love that we talk to Takeo Spikes now and that he still talks to the community and that he's still around. Like when I heard that Aaron Mabin was doing well in his life and had moved on from football and was contributing to his community, I felt great about that. And like... The uh, athletes who came to Buffalo and played in an era that we all view as just eternal suffering with the Buffalo Bills. I still look back at a lot of those guys who played on that team and have great feelings for them. I don't feel bad about Eric Moulds. I don't feel bad about any of them. This era of Sabres hockey is new territory for all of us. It's new territory for professional sports. We're going to look at Sam Reinhart. We're going to look at Jack Eichel, and we're going to see them play on other teams, and we are not going to care at all. At all. Nothing. 
I'm not going to care about him. I'm not going to want to see now. him at alumni events. I'm not going to want to see him come. Hey, look, you're Jack Eichel returning way, on by the way, alumni night. He's no? not going to want any of that either. Right. So, like, this is, this is the dirtiest breakup that I've ever watched. It's it's either going to be that or it's going to be super clean because there ain't going to be no emotional I, scarring at all. I It'll be clean for the fan base. For the player and the organization, it may, it may both cost them in ways that maybe we won't be able to monetize. I, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not sure that it's money-related and what it's going to cost them, but Jack Eichel's reputation is being hurt by yeah, this. You would... The Sabres don't have a reputation any longer to be hurt, so there is nothing that... And that's the interesting part of this, is in, the, in how this is playing out, this is hurting Jack Eichel more than it's hurting the Sabres because there's nothing left to hurt for the Sabres. No, the Sabres are in a place already. where they are dead, and... There, you can't hurt them any longer. What's the benefit of putting out a statement like they put out? Zero. There is no benefit. How do you, ma- one, make the Sabres move faster? You don't. Two, give the impression to the rest of the league you don't. that you're under control or something like that. No, like, is there anybody else? Because the-, the statement was in response to the, the guy who's actually in control, which, by the way, whether or not they like it, whether or not the fans agree or like it, Kevin Adams has the say, the final say for all of this. He is in power. And- whether or not... You think it was smart of him to say, it, you, but it behooves nobody for them to come out and no, respond to that. there's no benefit to airing that out. Even yeah. if you disagree with the Sabres fundamentally on how they have handled your client's health and safety, you speak louder when you go to the league yes. and pursue it through or, the league. Uh, take the if, if you're so hell-bent on getting the surgery, go to an arbitrator. Sure. Something, yeah. Uh, Resolve it. Right. Go to resolve The the lack of any clarity of the resolution is why it's hard for me to even take anybody's side on this because I think they both look bad. Jack Eichel has gotten everything from the Sabres except for winning. He's gotten money. And he hasn't gotten traded yet, but that will happen. Coaches didn't work out. They got fired. GMs didn't work out. They got fired. fired. We need help. They got him help. We want. He wants money. He got money. He got everything. He He wants wants Taylor Hall. He got Taylor Taylor Hall. He wants to leave. He's leaving. Can you shut up for two weeks and wait? Like you're you're gonna go. You're gonna just, go. And please just help us out a little. Right. Just shut just, up. Just shut up and help you're help go- help Kevin Adams help you. You're going to be traded. You're going to get taken care of. You're going to heal. You're going to play hockey again. You're gonna be fine. You gotta shut up for four weeks. For at least a little while. That's it. Uh, we gotta take a timeout. We got Thad Brown who's live from Highmark Stadium. Coming up next, we're gonna go back to the Bills, but this is a moving target. We're gonna talk about this all afternoon right here on WGR. WGR Sports Radio five fifty. All right, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday, hour one. Still in the thick of it here. And joining me on the Western Hotline Live from Highmark Stadium is Thad Brown. Thad is um, the sports director ever at WROC-TV and uh, is a writer a writing over at RochesterFirst.com. Thad, thanks so much for joining me, my friend. I also can't forget to, to mention that you are the co-host of Buffalo Kickoff Live. Uh, very handsome on television, by the way, Thad. You do a great job. We're really looking forward to, to a quick little segment with you here. You've been kind of talking a lot all week about uh, and, and, and posting articles um, at RochesterFirst.com about some of the things you've been seeing out there on the field. Let's start with today before we kind of you know work in reverse here, Thad. Tell me a little bit about today so far throughout the first public session at Highmark Stadium. A little bit of your thoughts about A, how many people are there? Pretty wild. It's their first opportunity to see this Bills team since 2019 without restrictions. And B, who has stood out to you today during the team portions of, of practice? 
first of all, Nate, thanks for the fine intro. Not only do I sound uh, attractive to the listeners, but also very busy. And I think both those things are wildly exaggerated, but it's appreciated. Um, but, uh, you know, today, I tell you what, um, so Stefan Diggs is not practiced today. He actually sat out the second half of yesterday. I don't think there's anything really wrong. I mean, he's dancing around the sidelines, bouncing around. You know, it, no, not on the injury report either. So I would have just about zero level of concern. Um, but to, to say he has not practiced, so that is a thing. Um, and without him on the field, the passing offense does look different. You know, it looks a little more mundane. You know, the Josh Allen that absolutely dazzled pretty much Wednesday, Thursday, Friday has not been there today. Josh is making some good plays. He actually made a, a nice one where Ed Oliver got in clean on a blitz and, and he scrambled away and cut off his back foot through one on the sideline to Zach Moss. But in general, this is you know, easily been Josh Allen's uh, worst day today. Um, you know, so the defense, I think, actually is probably the thing that's uh, most impressed just in general. Uh, Tyler Matikiewicz had an interception that hit him in the gut, couldn't make the catch, but was in the right spot. Tremaine Edmonds had a similar thing on Josh Allen. So I think this has been uh, the best day for the defense overall, not just because of digs, but uh, in general for that side of the ball. And Thad, I mean, I think – you know, consensus and argument's sake, you would say that for the most part, defense is always kind of the first unit in terms of training camp to sort of start quickly and then the offense sort of catches up from there. But kind of what how you're describing is it's almost been the opposite for this start of training camp. A hundred percent. This offense came out absolutely blazing. I can't I can't remember ever covering a Bills offense in preseason that looked like this offense looked the first three days for even three drills in a row. I mean it was it was as good as anyone could possibly hope. I mean, the Bills have a quarterback that was darn near the MVP last year, and frankly, he looked exactly like it. Oh, wow, that was nice. Looked exactly like that for the first three days. Uh, Josh, I don't know if I can even do play-by-play here, so uh, I'll just say Josh Allen did something really good and, and raised his stock for today. Um, but it, And really, the play I just saw was kind of consistent with, with what's been happening earlier in practice. Um, and it, it's been fun to watch, and everything Bills fans could possibly hope for from Josh Allen and his passing offense. So before, because I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. I talked a lot about offense, but I, I'm, I'm sort of riveted by this idea of Jay Kumaro. And and really, the, the reason that I'm so interested in it is I think most of us all were under this idea or under this consensus that Isaiah McK- or not Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah Hodgins was going to really kind of be penciled in as that last guy. This is a, this is a guy that the team drafted. They stood behind last year after after the injury and offseason surgery. It was a guy that was in the in the facilities all offseason, was making a mark. And 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 Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both mentioned how noticeable Isaiah Hodgins' presence was in this in the facilities all offseason. With that said, he has li- he hasn't been the story, and it's been more about Jay Kumaro, particularly when you're talking about Stephon Diggs not being at practice. Talk to me what you've seen about Kumaro and why he has been sort of the focus of the early part of here of training camp. Well, he's been better. I mean, just frankly, he's been better. I mean, he's made plays just about every day. Uh, nothing too spectacular, but Isaiah Hodgins is not a guy who's flashing pretty much at all right now. You know, he's not a guy that's, that's making you stand up and say he needs to be on the team. We just had this conversation, me and a few reporters on the sideline. We're, look, we're only through day four, so there's a lot of camp and preseason and games and stuff to go. But sitting here right now, you know, to me, I think Jay Kumaro makes this team. And, you know, you think about Hodgins, who's a draft pick, who was basically hurt all last year. So last year's kind of a redshirt season. You'd wonder about whether you could get a sixth-round pick on the waiver, especially a guy who's been talked up as much as Hodgins has been. Well, right this second, I would expose him to waivers, try and put him on a practice squad, and if I lost him, wouldn't bother me one bit. I mean, that, that's where it's been through mm. four days. 
you know, Kumaro is the, the much better receiver so far, and I don't think it's much of a question. And, I mean, Thad, when you look at those two guys, I, I think I'm not going to say that they're similar in skill sets. They're both large, um, which I think this team probably is. That role, whoever they decide to keep in that last position, whether it's Kumaro, whether it's Hodgins, I think part of the reason that maybe you're keeping one of those two is based on their size. No, like I, I think they bring a different size element than everyone else in that room. Yeah, that's 100% correct. I mean, you look at the other receivers, especially the guys that are going to be the mainstay guys, you know, uh, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, you know, they're not playing on anybody's pickup basketball team just by height. I mean, they're, they're just not that kind of guy. They're, they're uh, separate guys. They're escape guys. They're, you know, create space guys. And, you know, Gabe Davis can be a little bit of that, you know, size receiver, but there's no doubt Hodgins or Kumaro would fill that role. But I'll tell you what, Nate, it's not just about that. I mean, on this team right now, if you talk about the whole wide receiver group, Kumaro and Hodgins are the next two best guys. You know, Lance Lamore and Brandon Powell, the rest of these guys, have not come anywhere close to making a name for themselves. And Duke Williams, too. You know, when I told you about the conversation I had about letting Isaiah Hodgins go to waivers, you know, Duke Williams is not a guy that demands a spot on this team, not even the practice squad, for what he's done during the offseason or the first week of camp so far. All right, Thad, uh, I want to switch gears and go to the defensive side of the ball. Tell me a little bit about this cornerback two battle that's been shaking out and playing out. Obviously, that was sort of the focus of everybody this offseason, and I don't want to say that it's faded into the black with a couple of other key battles maybe taking precedent, but talk to me about this battle between Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. I know that you know earlier in the season when I've had you on the show, you were, you know if you were a betting man, it sounded a lot like you'd be putting your money into the Dane Jackson sweepstakes. Have you felt that way through the first couple of days of practice that that is going to be the move here moving forward, that you believe Dane, by, by week one, is ultimately the guy that's starting in that position? I still like him, but through the first week of camp, today Levi Wallace was the guy who took the first team reps. Dane was on the second team. And Levi has been the much steadier player. I mean, really, if you look at who these two guys have been and what we already know about them, they've been exactly that in camp. Levi's always been a, a steady, confident but not really super above-average guy. He's been exactly that in camp so far. Dane Jackson, I think, has a lot of potential, but he's a second-year player that only played five games last year. So you're gonna, you would think you'd see up-and-downs with that guy, and that's exactly what we've gotten. You know, we'll, He'll be in one-on-one drills with a wide receiver, and he'll totally stone a guy like Isaiah McKenzie and then come back and give up a pass to Lance Lenore, You know, So yeah. it's been an up-and-down thing with Dane so far. I personally still like Dane, and I can sit here and make the argument for him, but if you want to stand next to me and say, well, I like Levi and here's why, you'd have a bunch of bullet points that would be just as legit as mine. So I think at this point, uh, I'd say no blood has been drawn through one week of camp. Who do you think benefits the most from that, though, Thad, in a situation where maybe neither of them are able to, to just make the statement play or, or make, the, make the move to really be the guy? Do you think if, if no one really... I don't know, what, what, what's the word I want to use here? Like, shows that they're the one. Do you think that it's just Levi that gets the benefit of the doubt because he's been here? Absolutely. I mean, he's the incumbent. You know, I mean, think about, like, an election. You know, he's the incumbent. The other guy's got to come in and make a bigger name for himself. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is the coaches know they can trust Levi. You know, like, if you want to look at it from the cynic point of view, you know, the devil you know or the devil you know, the, the, everybody knows exactly what the devil is when it comes to Levi Walls. And there's not a whole lot of devil. He's a pretty solid player. But... There's a, a confidence in exactly the level of play you get. And like I said with Dane Jackson, you know, from play to play right now, you can't count on it. You know what I mean? If you want to put this guy out on the field, when the Bills are in Kansas City with a game on the line, I can't commit to you that he's going to be able to make a solid play. I mean, he might let 
you know, Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hartman run over his head and get downfield. So that's the concern right now, you know, with job. And, uh, Nate, I do got to say they are ending practice just now, so I got to get running and uh, get to work on uh, my, my one of my jobs talking to these guys after practice. Awesome, brother. Appreciate you as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, man. It's great to be on tonight. Couldn't be longer. Awesome. No worries, buddy. Thad Brown there on the Wester Hotline. He's the uh, the sports director over at WORC TV in Rochester and RochesterFirst.com. Going to take a time out. On the other side, we'll prep you up for Hour 2, which will feature Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan at noon, and Evan Lazar at 1230. All that's coming up here on WGR. All right, let's put a bow on hour one. I got all to my breaks on time, pretty much, except for the first one, but that was Corey's fault. What? The? What? I mean, it was. You, uh, you, you, you made me Talked talk. about hockey again. I got you going. Whoops. I got you going. It's tough. It's August. We should stop talking about hockey. This is the thing that, that's almost low-key brilliant. Would we be talking about the Sabres if it weren't for just sheer incompetence? Like, <laughs> uh, like if they were boring like they normally are, we would just be talking about Bill's training camp. And I'd have no reason to fit in talking about the Sabres in between training camp. I would just be talking about the Bills. Nah, it's the hockey, a lot of good teams in hockey are absolutely putrid to watch. Boring, yeah. horrible. So, yep. like, boring isn't it. they got to be incompetent. Like, it's, it's tough. It's got to be. Like, there's a very... Man, it is hard to thread that needle in hockey because so many hockey fans just accept uh, a lack of entertainment when they watch their teams. They're just it's ingrained in them. But like, uh, so we are used to like if the Sabers were boring, but it seemed like they knew what they were doing and they had a plan and they were like middling and they always had a shot at making the playoffs. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they wouldn't. We talk about them all the time, but we used to. <laughs> but like because they had the greatest goaltender in the world and they always finished seventh. But like. Um, <laughs> Now they're bad because they're deliberately bad, and now they're choosing to be bad and not spend money. Listen, though, and, and there is a part of me, again, stupidly, because I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what, I don't know what's wrong with me. There's a part of me that admires the fact, <laughs> yes, I use the word admire, um, the fact that this is a team that no longer has interest in middling. You do not, in fact, have to hand it to them. little bit <laughs> like i mean now here's I, a cookie how about this here's a cookie all right that's fine it, like here here's like one of those are they just trying to save money it's been it's crossed my mind i if they are because they've been acting like real broke boys for a while yes they have like since the uh, before COVID, like putting alumni out on the ice with bad nameplates like mm -hmm. real like real bad knockoff jerseys for the alumni what is the benefit, really chintzy though, what is the benefit of basically not paying anybody for a year other than saving money, because here's the thing, saving money it's the last is, place to save it is the payroll for the team. But everywhere else they've cut. The idea would be, okay, this is a year where <laughs> we'll we'll save money, we'll be at the salary cap. The floor, lady right? who ran the season ticket office was cut, basically. All yeah. she did was talk to people and be friendly. They and, couldn't pay and her. Get minimum wage. Um Well, maybe. Um I view it from this perspective, Corey. You can say all you want from a, a pure business decision. 
is saying, let's cut everything. Let's have our payroll be the last in the league. Let's get to the salary cap floor and no more. And let's spend this year developing young guys, paying, you know, Dan Bilesma still. We're still going to pay, you know, uh, Phil Housley. We're still going to pay this guy. We're going to pay all these people because we owe them money still because we fired them one year into their contract, including Ralph Kruger. Um, so we'll spend the money there, but our payroll is going to be as low as possible, literally as low as the NHL will allow it to be. But if you are selling tickets for like $3 on StubHub and you can't fill the arena and nobody wants to come to the games and you're not making money, do you think? They, how are you actually saving money if you can't make any? Do you think they watch baseball? Cause like they're acting like no. they're acting like a baseball team. They're acting a little bit like the Pirates. No, Pirates are going to make the playoffs before they do. That is as bold of a statement. As Pirates got good, Pirates have a good farm system. They have uh, they got a, a lot of good players coming up. The Pirates but they're are going to make the playoffs. They're further along in their you know decades right. long tank than the Sabers. But are. they do that thing where they like they have a very brief window. Yep. They explode, sell it all. Restock and do that. And listen, that's, as, a, as a Kansas City Royals fan, I can yeah, relate the to baseball that. Like, model, I know how right? yes. the baseball model. But the problem is, is in baseball. Sabres is, doing the baseball model. The the thing with baseball is it's the haves and have nots in baseball. And oh, really? Huh? Because <laughs> the Sabres are acting like I that. know, but like, which is really cool because everybody's a billionaire in the sport. Yes. It's not like, well, you know, Actually, it's, just, it's Corey, to... can I say that I'm pretty sure that Terry Pagula and Buffalo's the Pagulas are one of the most, one of the richest owners right. in the NHL? Buffalo's a small market, you know? It's like, no, it's not where you get your money. Owners. You get your money by, like, ruining the rivers and streams of West Virginia with fracking debris. Yeah, and That's where you get the, your money. And here's the thing, though, and this is sort of the, the cyclical point, the relative point of all this, is you can dis- determine and decide that we're going to save money this year because we don't believe we're competitive, so this is a good time to just save a little money on the payroll. But if you're not making money as a franchise on other things, now they're going to quote-unquote make money due to the TV deal with ESPN. That's going to happen. They're going to make money. The salary cap is going to start going up over the next couple of years. Right. This is maybe the one year where you'd say, with a flat cap, maybe this is a good year not to spend money. But if you go this year, because here's here's the scary game they're playing. They're assuming that. Well, I think they don't. They're not assuming. I think they have. They have because you know what evidence does. that nobody wants to play here. Like other free agents, like good free agents don't want to play here. Why? I don't think. I don't think they have to guess that. I think they probably know that, right? I think Kevin Adams knows that. So okay, we'll we'll we'll. Save money on the cap this year. Mm-hmm. Kyle Oposo is going to be off the cap next year. Right. They're going to have as much salary cap space as they want. Sure. Over Overspend for Erasmus Dahlin right now because you can. Right. Um, but they don't want to. They don't want to. So um, if they don't want to, even though they have the cap space, and they just don't want to because they don't want to spend guess money. I I wonder why you would own a team then. Yeah, well, hey, listen. If, they would, if, the, if the Sabres would put up for sale, I'm listening. I don't have the money. I mean, I can check. I got I, a couple of friends that we could get together and scrape together a couple thou. I don't. We get, get a GoFundMe going. We'll just, I don't know. I said, no, we'll just get a loan. We'll I would, take out a loan. I would consider the Sabres being bought as a community good and owned publicly by the Civic or by, by the, the area. The Green Bay model. Sure. Absolutely. The Green Bay model or just publicly owned by the government of Erie County and Buffalo, jointly shared, operated in a blind trust, and funded through taxpayer funds, but all that money also coming back to the taxpayers. I will listen to that, the nationalization of sports. It's fine. I don't need billionaires. Clearly, I don't need billionaires owning my teams because my teams have generally been trashed the whole time. They've at been least, owned by billionaires. At least the hockey team. Sure. Uh, football team also has not won. So, like, that's right. Uh, they, not I mean, yet. They're looking fun. 
They do. They do look fun. They look I, fun. Listen, it's it's a it's a weird state that we're in. Like, there's no doubt about it. And I I don't know what to do with the Sabers. I don't know what they want. And I, they never talk to us. Like, the yeah, guy who's the team right. never talks. So they, I don't care. And they they but never like, they never talk. And you know what though? And and maybe Kevin Adams is trying to curb this, and maybe he's trying to change this, right? Like he wants these guys, particularly not, the young core, to get out. He wants them to be a part of the community. He's not he the guy I want to talk to, though. No, I agree. I agree. Like it's I sort of like it's sort of like asking to talk to a manager, and then they send out the team lead. Right. If no, not you. Now, I want you, the manager. I want the guy who gets to make decisions, who's financing this thing, and they send out the team lead, who is just the the junkie. Right. He's just out there to take the punches, and and has is all bruised up in the face, and you feel bad because this guy's already bruised. I don't want to hit right. him anymore. I want the guy who was there crying when he saw the French Connection. What and I want to talk to him. I'm not gonna get mad. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. What to happened? Dude? I want to, that video. That video, Corey. I want to shake your hand. Let me. I want to shake his hand. The guy in the airplane. Exactly. That, yeah. And like, like, that's what we want. I want to ask him. I want like, to shake your hand. Do you, dude? Do you still want to do this? <laughs> do you still want to do this, dude? Like, what? I want to know what happened. Do you still want to do this? Are you that? Are you watch that video? Are you the same guy? You are, you've got money now and you've been hanging out with money and you never used to do that before. Are you different? And if you are different and if your relationship to the team is different, how is it different? Do you have a relationship with the fans of the team? And if not, what went wrong? And if you, can you own this team and not have a relationship with the fans of the team? We, we got to have a talk about us as a team. And by team, I mean like a relationship as a community with the organization that is the Sabres. And it's impossible to have that dialogue with a business. You just don't. So, like, we we have to all sort it out ourselves. And most people are sorting it out by doing other things. Thankfully, the Bills are here. But, like, I mean, that's where we are in our relationship right now. And, yeah. buddy, ain't looking too good. It's not. And, and listen, I, at the end of the day, all of us want success. All of us want – listen, as much as Terry and Kim want to have the success, we want it for them. Yes. That's the thing. Is nobody wants to watch this thing continue to spiral downward. Everybody wants to figure out a way. It's just what has been so frustrating is the lack of okay, we're in we're in this spot, we're in it thick together, and it just there hasn't been this willingness to almost reach a hand out and say we get this. This hurts us as much as it hurts you, and instead we've sort of been met with like eh, shut up and give us your money. It goes and back. It goes back to Eichel leaving. They built their yeah. team around a guy who wasn't really about that action of community building and, no very clearly and now we don't have a community at all like the alumni kind of has gone away the vibes have gone away like vibes have definitely gone there are no vibes left. right by the way we gotta take a break yeah we could see i'm sorry listen you and i it's my fault. we should just we should probably just do a podcast about i should this. do we should just yell that's what i should do I should well you should up. take you should take the advice you're giving to jack eichel it's right true. um all right timeout bruce nolan's gonna join me next we're gonna preview our new podcast that's coming up next here on wgr